Good to see some faces here today. There's, as we mentioned, I don't know if it was uh, preacher number one or preacher number two or preacher number three that mentioned it to this morning, but uh, preacher number four will say thank you that God has done, we, we want to acknowledge that God has done some work in our church. We've been through some spiritual dark days, but, but there's been spiritual warfare, whether it come through, uh, you name it, uh, relationships, health, and God has seen us through. So God is faithful. Amen, church? And so good to see some of your faces here this morning. I know that you've been in the hospital. You've been just, just recently got out of the hospital, so God is good, and he's good all the time. Now, I'll forget this towards the end. I, there's only about 75 copies I made. We're going to be talking about end times, and Joel is the key. He's the latch key, if you will, that opens the door to our end times study as we get into the book of Revelation, Ezekiel, Daniel, some other studies as it gets put together. We're going to talk about the Great Tribulation. So this morning, if you'd like to have the notes on the Great Tribulation, I don't have time to read it this morning or, or preach on it yet. I'm going to have those available for you, and you need to pick that up. So there's like, do one per family if you would. If you need more, we have that stored, and I'll show you where to get it. I gave you the reference on there where you can pick that up. But the Great Tribulation, you'll want to know some more about the Tribulation period, but also about the Great Tribulation, what's going to happen during that same time. And many times people are afraid of end times prophecies because they don't want to read them because why? Some people are scared, some people are ignorant, and some people like it the way it is. As long as I don't know, I, responsibility, what happens? When you know, when you have responsibility, what happens? When you have knowledge, comes what? Responsibility, that's what I meant to say. When you have knowledge, comes responsibility. And you must warn your brothers and your sisters of things to come. Not, I mean, not spiritual brothers and sisters, because they should read for themselves. Watch this. I'll do a quick test, and I'll tell you, we're just like in the days of Joel. And Joel was talking about his current time. So Joel is a very hard book. The next four weeks are going to be very difficult. So tune in, take notes, and we're only skipping the surface. Just so you know, we're skipping rocks in Joel to get to Revelation. But Joel's a very hard, hard place to be. The Bible says in the last days, many, the love of many is going to do what? The old King James used to say, wax cold, meaning it's going to get cold. And what's going to happen is if you have cold love towards somebody, what does that look like? We talk about today cold-hearted killers. We talk about stone cold. We talk about different people. As we've even seen this, this famous, uh, uh, infamous trial that's been going on in South Carolina with the Murdoch's, all that, people have been falling across the country. It, we find out, how could you possibly do that to your family? But the love of many is going to wax cold. It's going to, love's going to get colder and colder. And if I don't have a, lo a, a hot love for you, a love that loves like Jesus loves, what am I going to do? Am I going to help you in your time of need? I'm going to turn it back to you. I'm going to recommend that someone else help you. I'm going to call and say, did you see? And we won't spend time being one unified in the body of Christ. So we must be careful that we don't let ourselves go there because we know what Scripture says is going to happen. You cannot change Scripture, amen? So if God says it's going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. But as for me and my house, as we serve the Lord, listen, you can come very clearly and say, listen, we're going to stay on the straight path. Lord, help us. As we sing, great is your faithfulness, God remains faithful to the end. Our end. He never ends. God remains faithful. So what we have to do is we have to check ourselves on a regular basis that God, as Chris I shared earlier, we have today. Check yourself today. You're not promised to be here this afternoon or tonight. When you pull out, you can run into traffic. You can have a heart attack. We know anything can happen. It's not a scare tactic. It's just a truth that we live by. We know the stats. And as we look here, if we're not careful, even when we actually sing 
uh, Jesus be the center of my heart. We sing it for our Canadian friends and our English friends, right? Be the centre. That's what I used to say when I'd go to Canada. I was like, they don't know how to spell centre up here. And they said, we spelled it first. Y'all came from us, meaning British. So when we sing that, if you're not careful, you'll get so focused on the spelling of centre that you go, that's not proper, and you lose your whole worship of what the song meant. Jesus be the centre of my what? Life, my vision, everything that I sing about. And if you didn't like the way it was spelled or you think somebody misspelled it, you go, I can't believe they misspelled that on Sunday morning. So that was just a nod to our Canadian and British friends. Anybody notice that it was spelled a weird way? Anybody notice that it was spelled properly? Yeah, our, uh, yeah our, uh, that was a nod to you guys this morning. We, we did it for y'all. So it, if it's, it, it, it's everywhere in Canada, it's spelled that way. So if, it, if something like that can distract you and take you far from God and go, I can't believe we don't have anybody can spell in this church, you just messed up. You are a candidate for today's sermon. And I know who you are because it was, I, I just thought about that when I said that. And I said, I am so glad we didn't change that from last time we sang it. But we will probably change it in the future because we did some England, back to England uh, back in the day. So, all right, take your Bible, turn to the white pages in your Bible. That's the pages that don't have any smudge marks on it because you haven't been here, I know, unless you've read it this week. Go to the book of Joel. We call those the white pages because they're still shiny and white like they were from the publisher because many times people don't read through what we call the minor prophets. You have the major prophets and you have the minor prophets. Why, why is Joel a minor prophet? It's not because he was shorter in stature. It's not because his, his material doesn't matter as much. It's because it's just 73 verses. It's a short minor prophet. It is a prophecy of his current time, what was happening. He was a preacher and a prophet. We don't know much about him other than he existed and that he's in the canon of Scripture. So, it just means that there was a limited number of writings from Joel, so therefore, in this passage, that he's a minor prophet. It has nothing to do with his socioeconomic status, nor his stature in the, in, the, in the hall of faith. It was just, it's only three chapters and 73 verses, okay? But it's power-packed, because I'll show you when we get into it, when God speaks, that's enough, amen? I've told you people say, if God said it, I believe it, that's enough. Well, that ain't 100% true. If God said it and you don't believe it, it's still enough. If God said it, it's enough. Amen? That's why we talk about doing it God's way, getting God's results. If God has told you how to live life, if God has told you how to raise children, if God has told you how to be saved from this lost and dying world, if God has told you, which he has, all of those above, if God's told you about himself, he's revealed his truth to us today, either we, have an, we can accept it or we cannot, but it doesn't change the truth. When some people say, I don't believe what you're preaching. I can't help you, right? God is the king of kings, not the burger king. You don't get to have it your way. Does everybody understand? It's his way or it's, listen, or it's wrong. It's 100% God's way. This week I got into a discussion about denominations. Some people say, I hate denominations. I don't like a title on the church. Well, the church is the church no matter what the address is. It should be just the church gathering at that address. But when you have a title, do you understand what a Baptist believes? Some do, some don't. Do you know what a Methodist believes while we're different? Do you know what a Presbyterian believes? Do you know what a Catholic believes? And what happens is we don't know enough about anything to know what the Bible says. Being a biblicist, what does the Bible actually say? Yes, there's poetry. Joel is a poetic book. If you actually, I don't read the Hebrew or the original. I have to go and study men who do. But it's actually a poetic book. 
And some people say, that was just, a, that was just an illustration. That doesn't mean that's actually going to happen. And so many times, if you're not careful, you'll just take the book, the book of the Bible and read it like a comic book. Oh, that's just a story about a story. It makes us feel good, feel bad, or we learn our lessons from. God wants to speak through his word today that we would actually hear this warning to the people of Israel, but also to the warning of the church today. And listen, we're going to talk about all kind of things in the church. And believe it or not, we're going to use church words in church. If that offends you, you're at the wrong church. Because the church words come from the Bible. And the Bible and church words should be the words of God. We'll talk about sanctification. That just means being set apart. God put us over here when he saved us. We're going to talk about justification. That's where God made us right with him because he said so because Jesus died on the cross and everyone who asked him to be their Lord and Savior, he says yes too because he drew us first. We're going to talk about being saved. We talked about this, me and Adrian this morning, we talked about this. When, when people are afraid of church terminology because they don't know it, they don't understand it, can't we just talk about being in community? Can't we just talk about being in fellowship? Can't we just talk about having dinner together? Can't we just like dumb it down so that everybody wants to come? And I've got news for you. Everyone doesn't want to come and gather with the saints of God. They think you're strange. The Bible says they think you're strange. Read Ephesians. And sometimes you even feel strange. I feel strange sometimes going, how come you don't run with the others? Remember we read that passage last week. How come you're not running with us anymore? You used to run with us when we were boys back in the day or in the hood or whatever neighborhood or whatever you want to call it. And that's where we're from, how we did. We always talk about those things. Look at the Word of God today. We're going to read the whole first chapter of Joel. And then we're going to go, we only got four weeks of Joel, but it's power-packed. So I'm going to have to give you extra stuff at the end of every service. You're going to get something to take home with you if you want it. If you want to study, you've got to get your own study on. I cannot feed you the whole steak dinner, okay? I can only give you a couple bites of potato, a couple bites of steak, and a little bit of salad. And you've got to go get the rest of it on your own if you're still hungry for the Word of God. You need to know what the Word of God says so that you're equipped to actually defend your faith. Peter said, give a reason for the faith that was in it within you. And some people don't know enough to do that. In our last days, we know our nature is to be lazy, get on our mobile devices, and whatever they say, that's what I say. And sometimes they say is pretty good. There's people who do research. And sometimes if you ask me a question sometimes, I'll actually link you out to a link. I'll read the article and say, this can say it. Better than I can say it. I'm not going to retype it because there's nothing new under the sun. God has revealed his truths and He has nobody's got a word from God today and no one's going to change the scripture today. The word comes from his word. If a man walks up and says or a woman walks up and says, I have a word from God that's different from the Bible or it conflicts with the Bible, walk away from that false prophet. That is a false prophet not from God. Don't listen to somebody who wants to add to Scripture. Because if I say God has inspired me to say this word today, it's a brand new word from God. I have a prophetic word from God. And if I speak it, listen, it must line up with Scripture and it must come true. If it violates Scripture, it's a false prophecy. And if it doesn't come true, I'm a false prophet. In the Old Testament, Joel had said this prophecy. He's speaking on behalf of God saying, look here. Look what happened, and remember, tell your children and your children's children and your children's children's children, pass it on. Leave a legacy of faith, what God has done, because God is warning us in this time, and he's warning you in the future. Joel was going to the highest spot saying, listen, God has showed me something I don't fully understand, but it's the day of the Lord. This was the day of the Lord. It's mentioned multiple times in Scripture. 
when people saw judgment come, the day of the Lord. So today, as we talk about our sermon, it's dead and destructive worship. And it happens to us today if we're not careful. I don't like that song. I wish we'd sing more hymns. I wish we'd sing more praise music. I wish we'd sing what's on the radio. I wish we would do fill in the blank. You've come for the wrong reason. We did not come today to entertain you today. We didn't come to make a good show for you today. We came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And in preaching his word, we want to bring him glory. And singing his songs, we want to bring him glory. And praying prayers to him, we want to bring him glory. It has nothing to do with you whatsoever other than to bring you to that point that you will look up and say, I'm undone before a holy God except for the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad we don't live in the Old Testament like this? Because if Joel gets it wrong, guess what Joel gets next week? He gets taken out to the city center, centre, and he gets stoned to death. Because if the prophecies didn't come true of a prophet, they were ordered by God to be stoned to death. There'd be a lot fewer preachers today if they did that today, wouldn't they? They'd be a lot less church members too, just FYI. It goes both ways. All right, let's let's take a let's go. Put your nose pinches on and earplugs in. Let's dive. Ready? Here we go. We're going to dive right in. Joel chapter 1. Are you there? Say amen. amen. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Who is that? Have no idea. Some people just, FYI, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, had a son named Joel. He was a rotten good for nothing. Samuel's boys, both his boys, chased after money. They chased after women. They were of no value to the kingdom of God. They were not righteous men. They died, as far as we know, separated from God. So this is not Samuel's son, Joel, okay? Don't get that mixed up. Some people will tell you that's who this is. That is not who this is. This is a righteous man named Joel. Samuel's son was an unrighteous man named Joel. Don't let the name, Joel was a common name. And Joel referred to the name of God. All right, here he says, who's he going to call out first? If you're going to call somebody and you're going to get somebody in trouble, where do you start? And start at the old people, or start at the top, right? Start at those who are in leadership, spiritual leadership. Get the old people, Richard says. All right, here we go, old people. We're going to start with you. Don't feel bad. The rest of you coming on the train right behind them. Here we go. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation and some people say this last piece, some of the rabbis say this is the final generation. Tell the final generation until it happens. Verse 4, if you have King James, it's going to give you a lot of different type of, of worms and caterpillars. And it's going to give different names. But this is just four different types of locusts. And I want to show you this. Somebody asked me this week, why is there a bug on the bulletin? And that bug is a locust. It's a, eating, a crop-eating locust. And I'll show you this. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locusts left, the crawling locusts have eaten, has eaten. What the crawling locusts have left, the consuming locusts has eaten. And he's going to transition. He's going to shout because the time that this plague happened, this is an actual literal plague. We'll see, I'll show you this in the notes. This was the wine season. This was the, the season of the grapes coming in. Anybody get any of the grapes in there that I put out? Who got some grapes? Raise your hand. I put them out late. Anybody get any grapes? Yeah, thank you. We did. I did too. Sorry, there's some still in there if you want them. But... Grapes are sweet to taste, and of course, everything, you go from jelly to jams to wine with, with the grapes. It was a season of what? When the harvest comes in, you look in the Old Testament, when the harvest came in full, you said, whoa, we're being blessed by God. But when it failed and there were plagues and diseases, you go, judgment of God has come on the people. 
Well, in our day today, God doesn't, he, we're under grace today. We're in a really weird time and an exciting time to be a Christian. God don't punish you because you do bad. He'll allow bad things to come in your life. He'll let you suffer the full consequences of your sin. And listen, Mike always says, I think it was Mike that says, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. If what, true, amen? So if that goes in all part of life. Try it in your family. Try it in your school. Try it at your workplace. Do the wrong thing. Do something absolutely foolish and see if you get written up for it or get a consequence for it. Even the things done in private, the Bible says they'll be known in public. There is a consequence. The Bible says whatever man sows, that shall he reap. That's for men and women. That's Galatians chapter 6. Make sure you're sowing to the flesh, I mean to the spirit, not to the flesh, because your flesh, your body, your normal you, not the skin, but who you are, your soul, it wars. Even though you've been made new in Christ, there's a war going on with you every day. You don't have to worry about the devil. You don't even have to worry about MTV and the world system out there, because you're bad enough. You're bad news for your own self. Did you know that? You are wicked enough to do the wrong thing. One thought, one action, you can do it yourself. You don't need the devil. Or his angels. Don't blame the devil all the time. Look in the mirror. That's the person you need to point the finger at. It starts with you. It starts at your house before it even gets to the God's house or the state house or the White House. Don't blame that way. Blame this way. Say, Lord, I am undone until you lead me the way I should go. Now, you are sealed to the day of redemption if you're a Christian. But just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you won't sin. Some of these people, listen, were righteous people at some point. But their worship had gotten destructive. They had declined because... Man, we got to go up to the temple again. We, man, we got to go do this offering again. How many sheep will I have to kill before I get this right? And the Lord says, you will kill until the Messiah comes, right? So they killed millions and millions of animals, this whole career of the Israelites. They've killed millions to cover the blood. The blood covered their sins. It was symbolic that says, God said to do it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. When they didn't do it God's way, well, God brought about judgment. And that's why I say we live in a special time of grace. Now, how did I not know that we were going to give two nods to the British today? Melissa, were y'all able to pull up that video? So I'm going to do something I've never done in my life, but it's for teaching purposes only. I can't preach a locust if you don't know what a locust is. It's not a cricket. It's not a grasshopper of sorts, even though it's a type of grasshopper. But these things are absolutely incredible creatures that God has on store. Some lay in dormant eggs now for 20 years, I've understood. I didn't study locusts just to study locusts, but I studied so you would understand. And if you don't know what they do, you just think it's a little hop, hop. Look, Peter, you're conscious, right? You just think he's going hopping around. Here comes a Jiminy Cricket from Disney. He's hopping around, singing a song, and telling you to straighten up. Watch what these things are. They're actually, they're not demonic. These are actual locusts. I want you to see this. BBC, uh, we have to give them credit, but I can't believe I'm showing this in church, but I need you to see what, what, just a little snapshot of what Joel was preaching about. All right, go ahead. Let's take this, let's take this view. Can we turn the lights just a little bit? There is no other species on the planet that responds as quickly and as dramatically to the good times as the desert locust. Eggs that have remained in the ground for 20 years begin to hatch. Am I feeling creepy yet?
The young locusts are known as hoppers, for at this stage they're flightless. They find new feeding grounds by following the smell of sprouting grass. Normally, it takes four weeks for hoppers to become adults. But when the conditions are right, as now, their development switches to the fast track. As the vegetation in one place begins to run out, the winged adults release pheromones, scent messages, which tell others in the group that they must move on. And when groups merge, they form a swarm. eats its entire body weight every day, and a whole swarm can consume literally hundreds of tons of vegetation. They have to keep on moving. The swarm travels with the wind. It's the most energy-saving way of flying. Following the flow of wind means that they're always heading toward areas of low pressure places where wind meets rain and vegetation starts to grow. As they fly, swarms join up with other swarms to form gigantic plagues several billion strong and as much as 40 miles wide. Okay, we, we can stop right there. Y'all can watch that on your consume own. Consume this morning locusts, 40 miles wide, billions strong. Could you imagine that dropping down on your garden? What's going to happen is, this is what happened in, in Joel's day, bigger than that plague, because these are real plagues that happen in India, Pakistan, uh, Kenya, it's happening all over the place. You see the, the swarms, what happens when it comes in and kills all the crops? Anybody eat potatoes, tomatoes, or anything like that this week? They're, they don't exist, and what happens when they don't exist? You don't eat, animals start to die. Humans start to die. The judgment of God in the Old Testament would come when Joel said, this is a plague that's never happened before. Tell your children, your grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, pass it on to generations. Don't let them forget. Now watch. Go with me to chapter verse 5. He's going to transition again. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. What happens? Why is the drunkards going to weep? They got no bootleg anymore. The, wine, the grapes are gone. And well, all you drinkers of wine, why did Joel call out the drunkards. Why did God, why did God through Joel call out the people drinking wine? Why not the adulterers? Why not those that are living in alternative lifestyles? Why did he not call those people out? Because this was the prevalent uh, sin of the day. Uh, has the church not today said, oh, just drink in moderation. Drink what you want to in moderation. Just let it go. Some people got mad at me a couple weeks ago or last week when I talked about drinking. Listen, I don't care if you get mad at me because what happens is if it sticks my finger in something that's sore, guess what you're going to do? You're always going to say, ouch. And if alcohol is a, is a restrictive, addictive product for you, you need to get some help. How do you not become an alcoholic? Don't ever put the bottle to your lips. Paul's calling out, I mean, Joel's calling out the people of his day saying, listen, you drunkards, you got no more wine. What you going to do now? 
You've got to sober up, and now the time has come. Be careful. Listen, when I preach that, I really mean that with compassion because I'm telling you, if it was not by the grace of God, I'd be led astray by that alcohol. It's a drug. It's just a legal drug today. Everybody in town says, don't drink and drive. How about this? Don't drink and you can drive. Amen? Every bar comes to you and says, if you had too much, I'm going to call a cab for you or Uber or somebody for you. How about don't drink? You can drive your own car. Save yourself some money. Save your family some pain. Save yourself some sclerosis of the liver. Right? Just, just come and save yourself. Just walk away from the drink before the drink gets you. You say, well, I have Christian liberty to do that. Yes, you do. But you're going to pay the consequences if that old bug of addiction catches you. And then you can't fix it. Because then you've got to keep on, keep it on if you, until God takes it away or until you come to a place that you look at yourself in the mirror and say, Lord, no more. Well, here's what Joel is saying. Because the new wine, it has been cut off from your mouth, meaning the, the grapes are gone. The vines are gone. And now he's going to transition to verse 6. Listen, this is what's weird about Joel. He's, going to, he's preaching. Listen, this just happened. Don't y'all see the plague? Y'all saw it. Look at all the death and destruction out there. The animals in the field, even the wild animals are dying. There's no food for anyone. You're going to see there's no, he's going to switch back now. He's going to look down the road. And he's going to look way, way, way down in the future, even past our day. Joel's looking past 2023. He's looking on down the road. Here, watch what he says. He's going to just transition. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree, and has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Meaning he stripped it down. He stripped the bark off the tree. Some people say that's just a locust de- description. Not most, listen, people who study the word of God are saying, listen, he's saying something different here. He's saying that he's forecasting a warning, not just for the people here, but for a future day coming. And he's going to talk about it in chapter 1. He'll talk about it in chapter 2. He's going to link in other descriptions. Joel is the first writing prophet who writes about the day of the Lord when it comes to actually the future day. Now the coming of the locust was a judgment, it was a warning, was a day of the Lord. But he's talking about a future prophet, prophecy of the day of the Lord coming. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Why would a virgin lament? She just got married. She hasn't even had time to go on the honeymoon. Her husband has died. There is no hope for her other than she's got a wedding ring and she has no husband. She's lamenting. She's in sackcloth. This is a picture of what Israel is to do. The grain offering, verse 9, and the drink offering has been cut off from the house of the Lord. They have nothing to bring to God. They have nothing to eat. They have nothing to feed their animals. And now there's nothing to bring to worship. They have no offering to bring God because everything has been stripped bare. The land mourns. The field is wasted. The land mourns, verse 10. For the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The old fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Well, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine has dried up, and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. There is nothing to celebrate. There is no goodness that's happening in the land. And now they can't even worship properly, so they've gotten to worship wrong before the judgment of God. And now they have this destructive worship that they call, it's basically dead and destructive. It's useless. So sometimes if you're living like the devil, listen, I want to bring you to current times. We're going to go back and forth. And Joel, if you're living for the devil in his ways, or you're living for your fleshly ways, 
God's not pleased with you singing a song, even if you sing melodiously up here. Not if you actually are celebrating and you play an instrument or you, you pray a prayer or you run sound or anything. God's not pleased with your sin. He will not accept dead and destructive worship. You can say, great is your faithfulness and lie to him on Sunday and lie to everybody in the building and live like the devil Monday through Saturday. God sees all. The Bible says he sees when you stand up. When you sit down and when you lie down, God sees because he's creator God of all things. All things are under his purview and his sight. Let's go to verse 13. He calls the land to a, a, a repentance here. Gird yourselves. Put, that means put a, like you put, a, you put a towel at the beach around your waist or something. This is where you're going to gird yourself. Who does he start with? Gird yourself, you priest. He starts with the spiritual leaders once again. Well, you who minister before the altar... Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. There is nothing anymore to worship God with. We have nothing to worship God but with our repentance. What should we do when we get to that place? And we as America, we as a people, we at Town Creek, we as your house must do this. Watch what he says. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Let's gather together. Gather the elders, all the inhabitants of the land, into the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. We call this a prayer meeting. Let's pray together. Let's ask God. Let's give up our foods, which was easy for them because there's no food, right? You're fasting because you can't go in the pantry because these crazy locusts have eaten everything. But in the future time also, in that great day of the Lord that's coming, listen, the Lord's day obviously is the Lord's day. That's different than the day of the Lord's. Don't get those two words just because they have the same word. Different word order, they're different. We talk about Sunday being the Lord's day, the day that we actually worship the Lord. He was risen on the Lord's day. The day of the Lord is the day of judgment, a future judgment. This was a current judgment that just happened, but it's also a future judgment. So let's continue. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. That's old people speak, right? When old people used to talk about it's at hand, what does that mean? What does that mean? It's coming, it's near, it's very near, it's at hand, it's right here, it's within reach. Let's continue. It shall come as destruction from El Shaddai, or Shaddai, Almighty God. Is not the food cut off before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles, and the clods are dirt clods. You ever throw those when you were a kid at each other? We used to rock each other with dirt clods. The seed's all wrapped up in that dry mud. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down, for the grain has withered. How the animals groan, the herds of cattle are restless because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment, or your Bible might say, they are made desolate. O Lord, to you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pastures, and a flame has burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field also cry out to you, for the water brooks are dried up, and the fire has devoured the open pastures. Joel ends chapter 1 as we, and these breaks are made by man other than Joel, but Joel ends right here. We end Joel chapter 1 with, man, this is a pretty stinking situation, isn't it? This is bad. This is a thumbs down situation. What got the people to this place of this locust attack, if you will, what, this plague? What got them there? Their sinful lifestyles. Let's see your notes real quick. Let me get through your notes and write these down because this is very important. By the simple nature, a biblical prophet is one who prophesies the words spoken to him by God. Amen? So if somebody says they're a prophet today, what should you check? 
accuracy with the Word of God. And I don't believe there's any modern-day prophets today. Now, there'll be preachers who prop, listen, have the gift of prophecy. You preach it, thus saith the Word of God, you're going to call forth the Word of God. But be careful with somebody who speaks into your life. Be careful with somebody who prophesies over your life and says, I see this, God has told me this. You need to ask a date and a time. Or ask them, hey, listen, when can I check back with you that that's happened? Because how many people have called on the prophets? They prophesied that I will stand for God no matter what until COVID comes. I will do whatever it takes until financial ruin comes. I, God is faithful. And listen, I got a word today that my God shall bless me. I shall call down from the Lord and he will do what I say to do because I'm his and he is mine. And therefore I, I announce prosperity and I announce whatever. Go in and fill in the blank. Y'all have seen it. You've watched it. For $59.95, you can buy this bottle of olive oil from the Holy Land. If you buy this land, you buy this bottle and you put it on your forehead, on your bed of your, of, of your, the head of your bed, and you put it in your house and throw it over the doorpost, then you'll be covered for $59.95. I guarantee today, if I went to the kitchen and filled up a bunch of little vials with, with olive oil that we got from Sam's Club, and I put a little label on it that said Town Creek Baptist Church, and I would hold it up to the camera, and I would say, for $59.95, this will work. This is the anointing of God. How many would I sell today? Some of y'all are looking at me like, you, like I'm crazy, but you'd buy one. You might not buy it yourself. You'd send somebody like, like hey, you going to give me one of them? I'd really like to have one of them. People buy it. Why? Because we want an artificial worship. We want something that we can do. Let me do something, and then if I can do something, then it feels like I'm a part of that. And the Bible is very clear. Your salvation is not from your own merit. You didn't do anything to earn salvation if you're saved. If you're depending on good works or going to church or, or grandma or grandpa or mom or daddy, listen, you've wasted your whole life thinking that you're saved. Your salvation is based on God's grace alone. You did not deserve it, yet he gave it to you. He applied his grace and he gave you mercy because you were a sorry good for nothing headed to hell. He said, Pastor, don't say that kids are in here. You're a sorry good for nothing headed to hell. Tell your children and your children's children, don't go to hell. And the only way to not to go to hell is to actually give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This do in remembrance of me, he said in the Lord's Supper. When we have baptism, listen, do this. Baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them everything I've taught you. Why? Because that's what he said to do. We don't have to argue with it. Thus said the word of God, the end. Whether you believe it or not, that's on you. God's not up in heaven going, I can't believe Clint Smith won't believe it. I put it in a book. And then you get into the hard things like, how does Joel talk about two different things? Let me just get into your notes really quick. Let's go. So a prophet is simply somebody who stood for, they were prophetesses as well. There were some women in the Bible, Old Testament. They were given a word from God, and that word was going forth to the people. So it came from God to a prophet, or prophetess, to the people. Got it? Prophet, say it with me. From God to the prophet to the people. The priest, on the other hand, was from the people, say it with me, from the people to the priest to God. That's how the Roman Catholic Church still works today. St. Mary downtown today, there's a priest, or a, they call him a father, standing in the gap between them and God. Listen, there is no gap anymore. The cross bridged that gap. Jesus Christ bridged that gap. And the Bible says he is our high priest today. And every time I have a question or every time I have a need, every time I have a prayer concern, I humble myself before him and I go before the throne of the Father as if I walk into God's house and say, Abba, Father, I have a situation. I have direct access. I confess my sins to him. 
I tell him I'm sorry for my sins. I don't have to go to any other man or woman to tell them about my sins. As a matter of fact, that turns into gossip if you're not careful. Go to God. Get a trusted soul you can go with. But listen, sometimes we bear one another's burdens so we can walk through this whole thing together. But you have direct access today. You don't have to come to a man. You don't have to sit in the booth and tell me your sins. I cannot do one thing for you today to fix your sin issue. Only God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, can fix you. Only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can make you right with God. Only Jesus can justify. Only Jesus can sanctify. Only Jesus. That's why we sing about him. That's why we worship him today. And it's not Jesus plus something. It's just Jesus. Amen? So let's see, let me give you the notes because time's flying. Let's go. The initial audience was the spiritual leaders and the people of the land of Israel. This plague Israel had recently experienced was a unique warning sent from God. God said, I'm sending, I'm sending the warning shot. I'm telling you, it's going to get bad. You turn from me, you're going to pay the price because I chose you as a people. And you're going to rebel against me, I'm going to whip your behind. You ever said, your mom and dad ever tell you that? You're going to get your behind whipped. Anybody ever tell you that in school? Say it again. You, nobody ever bowled up like that with somebody? Say it to me again. Say it to my face. That's what these people were doing. Lord, we'll halfway worship. We, man, I don't want to get out of bed today. How many people laid in bed this morning saying, I really don't want to go to church today because I've been so tired. I've been working all week and I ain't got time to go mess up there and hear a preacher yell at me and sing some songs I don't know. Listen, we gather because we bring a gift to the church and I hope to encourage you. You encourage me. We laugh together. We sing together. We pull over to each other in the fellowship cafe and say, listen, man, I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? And we pray for each other. We celebrate that God is faithful. And we say, oh, great your, some of y'all are dealing with some major stuff today. And yet you sing to God, great is your faithfulness. How? How strange are we as Christians? We've never seen God. We've never heard his voice audibly. If you have, you probably need to see a doctor. He's not speaking out loud to you today. So if, you, if somebody says, I heard from God last night, it better be a still small voice inside or from the word of God. Because something's up with that person. All right, check their water source. Let's go. In the Old Testament, literal swarms had been sent by God in the past to bring judgment, but nothing like this. The literal four-part locust plague had never hit Israel before. You can look at those Old Testament scriptures. Those are, former, those are other locust plagues that happened before. God expressed through Joel a dual meaning using this event. Dual meanings that had a current meaning and it had a future meaning. Okay? The Lord can speak like that. God can speak to a certain situation and it has a meaning all down through history or has a dual purpose for what he's preaching, what he's having to preach. He had a here and now happening and a prophetic warning of future events. This warning was commanded to be passed on to future generations. Daddies don't forget it. Grandpas don't forget it. Uncles don't forget it. Mamas don't forget it. Grandmas don't forget it. Aunts don't forget it. Pass the love of Jesus Christ on down the line. Don't think, well, they think I'm so weird if I tell my grandkids and my nephews about Jesus. Let them think you're as weird as they, get, as they come, but tell them about Jesus. Daddies for the love of God, tell your own children about the love of Jesus Christ and model for them what it looks like to be a man of God. Mamas, model for your daughters, model for your sons what it looks like to be a woman of God. Have integrity in your home. Let the words that come out of your mouth. I'm not saying don't joke around. I'm not saying don't listen to even some secular music. I'm not saying don't enjoy life. I'm not saying don't enjoy the lake. But these people had taken their eyes off Christ and went all secular. Let's have a little bit of this. And on the Sabbath, let's come in, and here's a, here's a grain offering. Here's a libation offer. Let's pour it out before God. Tell the priest. Everybody had gotten sorry. Their, their worship had gotten dead and destructive, and it was just casual. It was just a thing to do. 
And God brought about judgment, and he's going to, listen, bring judgment in the future. How do we know that? In the New Testament times, Jesus referenced the future distress coming like has never happened before. It, this is a cataclysmic event, the great tribulation. Read Matthew 24 if you want to read that. The sinfulness of the people of Israel was so great, even their worship, outward expression of worship was altered. God so judged their dead, destructive worship that he says, you know what? I'm not even going to give you the grain offering. I'm not going to give you grapes. I'm not giving you anything to bring back to my house so that you actually suffer the consequences of your choices. How about today? If God brings about judgment in your house. Now, you're under grace. You can't lose your salvation. But he can actually correct you. The Bible says, your earthly fathers, you discipline your own sons. How much greater are our heavenly father? Listen, get close to God. You're messing around. You start sinning against God and refuse to repent. You're messing around, and God's going to listen. He's going to correct his children because he loves you, not because he's mad at you. Hear me today. God is not mad at you. Amen? God loves you, but God's word, he won't change it because he loves you. Why did he bring the judgment? Because he loved the people. He wanted to be his. He wanted to be more like him. He wanted them to be holy as he was holy. He called them out to do it his way. Why? Because he loved them. Feels like judgment, doesn't it, when we read it? Feels like God's mean, like God's mad at me, like God doesn't like me, like God doesn't approve of anything. Listen, he approves of his son, Jesus Christ. And when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, when God sees you, guess what he sees? He sees Jesus. But he also knows you're sinful you, and he'll bring correction in your life. He'll get you up right and straight because he wants you to bring him glory. He wants you to fulfill this life that he's given you to live because he loves you. The sinfulness of the people of Israel was so great, even their worship, I told you, was that, uh, their expression of worship was altered. There was nothing to bring to the temple. There was nothing to bring before God. Joel proclaimed a fast. He proclaimed a solemn assembly. He proclaimed a gathering of the elders and the people of the land. They were called to meet at the house of God and plead to God for mercy. What is the least attended offering in the church today? It's been dying for quite some time. Hey, y'all, we're going to have a prayer meeting tonight. Oh, okay. Super Bowl zone. What's more important? Come on, in our society, help me. More important, our, come on, y'all, help me. Y'all, say it. What's more important? Prayer time at church, gathering together, a sacred assembly, or the Super Bowl, or whatever March Madness is, or whatever mess that's out there that you like. Listen, we choose our stuff over the Lord. I saw those people this morning. I listened to the preacher today. I've already read my Bible for the day, and our worship gets dead. And destructive because we say, well, that doesn't apply to me. And what happened is you're fulfilling prophecy that the love of many is going to do what? Wax cold. Pastor, I can't drive at night. Some of y'all that can't drive at night, I've seen you at Walmart past nine. Y'all are getting groceries. Just, just, just like no, nobody's business. I, I pet, she told me she couldn't drive past dark. And they're getting groceries after nine o'clock. Walmart lights don't stay on the whole time that you drive home, just for the record, right? Amen? Like during COVID, we talked about it. Pastor, I would love to come to church. Pastor, but I'm afraid my lungs can't hold it. And they'll see them in Lowe's. They'll be in Lowe's getting lumber, getting concrete. Where's your faithfulness to God? We are a dead and destructive people when it comes to worshiping God today. If we're not careful, let it be alive and fresh in your life. Not because there's a rule to follow. It's because there's grace to apply. And say, God, you let me do this. How good and how great is our God? We, we sing praises to him. We pray to him. I pray to a living God. And I live today. And listen, 
ask my family, not perfect by any means. I sin, and I ask God, would you forgive me? And before I walk up in this pulpit, Lord, forgive me. Before I take that Lord's Supper, Lord, forgive me. And we're right with God. And God says, I forgive you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now live for me. We're going to have a chance to do that in just a second. Joel, through inspiration of God, moved with preaching about the unforgettable uh, locust crisis to preaching about a future divine judgments of the Lord or judgment or judgments of the Lord. All right, the church must pray and diligently preach God's reconciliation ministry. You're going to, have to read that on your own. I really want to read that today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible says you are his ambassadors. What happens when our ambassadors, well, not today, is a terrible example. I was about to say, what happens when our ambassadors don't do what we say? But we don't want our ambassadors to do what our leadership's saying today, do we? But our ambassadors represent us. When they, a United States ambassador goes out, they speak on behalf of the United States of America. And only God knows what they're saying today. Right? We don't want them to say what our leadership is saying because we don't agree with our ambassadors, do we? We don't agree with our, I don't agree with abortion. I don't agree with alternative lifestyle. I don't agree with any of that. And that's what's being propagated around the world through our ambassadors because that's what leadership's saying. But listen, for us, the people of God, we are his ambassadors called to speak the ministry of reconciliation, taking what's wrong and making it right with God. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus, how good he is. And listen, let me tell you how sinful you are when you put the two together. He, listen, he's going to forgive you. He loved you because his son died on the cross. You don't have to go to hell, and you don't have to pay the price yourself. He's paid it for you because God loves you. That's our job, to be ministers of reconciliation. Ambassadors for Christ is who we are today. Listen, let's pray together. And if you need to pray, we're here. But today I want to challenge you. Listen, are you ready? Can you receive this today because the judgment's coming, a future judgment's coming. And if you've heard the gospel today, here's the gospel. You're a sinner. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. If you would simply receive him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved for all of eternity. The Bible says you can be sealed to the day of redemption. Here's the bad news I think comes from the book of Thess- uh, 1 and Thessalonians. If you just heard me say that and you don't accept Jesus Christ, you can never go to heaven. You say, Pastor, how dare you say that? Read it for yourself when you get home. You've heard the love of Christ and you refused it to another day. If Jesus comes back, listen, you'll never face him. If you die today and never accept Christ, you'll never face him as your Lord and Savior. You'll face him as your judge one day. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity or workers of sin. It's a powerful statement, I know, but it's true from the word of God. And if God said it, guess what? It's true. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we hear your words from history. Over couple thousand years ago, Joel's preaching this and it's coming in our future. Could it be today? We don't know. Could it be the future? Lord, we're not afraid. We stand as your people saying, we want to preach your prophecies. We want to preach reconciliation because you saved us. And we know we were doomed and undone without you. Those of us that are saved and those that will be saved. Lord, help us come to the end of ourselves. Get sick and tired of being sick and tired of life and just relinquish our lives to Jesus and say, Lord, have it all. Only you can save me. Only you can fix this. Lord, I pray for my friends who are far from God. Help them see their need. Give them a spiritual awakening like never before. For our brothers and sisters who's gotten very dead and destructive in their worship, they don't care. They'd rather do worldly stuff than godly stuff. Bring about revival in their hearts, Lord. Do what only you can do. We don't want a false movement. We don't want a false thing happening. We want a true repentance happening in our very hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.